0: God bless you. You're listening to the Love Thy Amen Podcast Network on Anchor Radio. I'm your host, Anthony Wilson. And as we get ready for this week's episode, I want to give a shout out to some of my sponsors, some of the people that are really blessing um, this particular podcast. And number one, uh, Steve McMillan with Concrete Eden. If you go to concreteeden.com and check out the blessed shoe line, amazing! One of the most comfortable pair of shoes that I've ever worn. Go check them out. Uh, the link will be uh, in the comment section. Uh, you can click on that, and uh, Steve will take care of you. He custom makes shoes. Uh, just so check them out. Concreteeden.com. Um, another great friend of mine, JB the Messenger, just dropped a brand new album. Uh, go to jb the messenger dot um and the album is it is finished go check that out uh jb the messenger at bandcamp.com. the album is it is finished uh my favorite track on there is Thank You. Uh, I, man, there's actually there's a lot of favorite tracks on there. But go check out uh, this great music at Bandcamp.com. JB, the messenger, him and his wife, uh, Melissa Bratcher. Awesome, awesome couple, wonderful uh, men and women of God. You know, just uh, just love them. And their daughter, uh, China Bratcher. Uh, if you go to uh, dot BigCartel.com. You can check out her cooking channel again. That's www.cookingwithchai and that's C H Y chai Dot um, BigCartel.com um, and get her new cookbook. Uh, man, uh, she cooked for me. I was out in North Carolina hanging out with the bratchers and she did an amazing job. Uh, she uh, slayed us, man. I, it was a, me and my wife just enjoyed the food go check out um, her cookbook and her cooking channel uh recipes and things like that Uh, these are just some of the sponsors uh that i'm highlighting uh, on my particular channel their uh links will be uh in the description uh god bless you let's get ready to dive in with our guest this week um a world-renowned uh youtuber and bible teacher Uh, Pastor Mike Winger, uh, and we're going to talk about what the Bible has to say about alcohol today on Love Thy Neighbor. God bless you. You're listening to the Love Thy Neighbor podcast network, and I'm your host, Anthony Wilson. And today on Love Thy Neighbor, I have a distinguished guest, uh, uh, a man that um, is known for his Bible knowledge, the Bible thinker himself um pastor uh mike winger uh welcome to the show
1: <laughs> All right it's very good to be with you anthony thanks for having me on um i'm excited to have this discussion we've and you, we were just saying we've actually been friends on facebook for a while now yeah,
0: yeah yeah and i know
1: we've interacted like a little bit here and there yeah but it's cool to actually get to see your face and have a conversation with you
0: absolutely absolutely so this is great this is great and and so uh for people who don't know who you are could you just uh let them know just a little bit about yourself
1: um, yeah, so I'm I'm Mike Winger. I live in Southern California. I've been here my whole life, actually. I've been in ministry doing various, you know how ministry is, like sometimes you do random weird things. Sometimes <laughs> ministry is cleaning toilets. Sometimes it's doing uh, an outreach, you know. And so I've been doing stuff like that for over 20 years, um, 13 years as a youth pastor, until really this online ministry where I started teaching, you know, I hear I teach the Bible, I try to tackle tough questions, and I just try to take us like into a a a deeper more thoughtful response than what many of it in fact i think we're hungry for it i think a lot of us are starving for just like that deeper but still biblically faithful way of understanding things and defending the christian faith so i've been doing this and it just grew and skyrocketed well skyrocketed really it's very slowly grew over the years and eventually took over my whole schedule so now i just do online teaching as my primary thing i mean i still teach a service once a week. Uh, Sunday evenings at my church Mm -hmm. but primarily you know it's reaching people online and by God's grace we've got like over 260,000 subscribers on YouTube which blows my mind because I'm not (laughs) bells and whistles I mean I'm just teaching I'm just like here's an issue let's talk about it from a biblical perspective you know and so it's very exciting to get to do this yeah.
0: And, and I think that's what I really appreciate about your ministry. And that's what caught my attention is that when I'm looking at, you know, YouTubers and uh, Facebookers and podcasters, um, the way you come straight from Scripture, you know. Um, yeah, there's times you'll di- you know dig into what's historical and what is surrounding it. But your answers come from what the Bible says. And that is a phrase that I love. Uh, because what the Bible says as a Christian is important to me, not no, man, so much.
1: That's where the, the gold is. <laughs> that's where my life changes, and it's it's interesting because it, it's Bible thinker, but you know. So we're trying to think biblically about everything. But when I really think about this, it's like really it's about getting it, getting my mind renewed in the Scriptures, so that my heart, my mind, it's all just my life is in line with the truth of God. It's. It's so incredibly rewarding to just know the word you know and how it applies. yeah
0: Amen, you know um, and, and and that's what it that's what it's all about. you know as a pastor myself, uh, one of my biggest things is is what is what does the Bible say about that? And not in a condescending or legalistic or restrictive way, but like you said, let's yeah. think according to what Scripture says, and then let's make our decisions based upon that. But first, you got to know what it says about a subject, even if yeah. it's a subject that, you know, may not be um, popular, but yeah. it's practical. I would rather have yep. practical than just popular. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: So, yeah. Um, uh, t- tell me about uh, uh, married children. What, what what's going on?
1: <laughs> so I'm married. We do not have kids yet. We're we are uh, been married for. 10, 10, 11 years <laughs> so um so yeah just my wife has been such a huge supporter of what I do in this ministry like it, it mattered a lot that the person I married cared about me serving the Lord amen because if she hadn't this this, this never would have happened because all the hours and hours and hours I've put in and nights and mornings and all that sometimes too much time to be honest <laughs> frequently too much time uh, that would never would have happened if it wasn't for her and her support yeah
0: Amen. That's a, that's a blessing. You know, I was just doing a study the other day with uh, some of my single guys and we were talking about the, the word joining and how this particular word in the New Testament meant uh, specifically for marriage. God joining two people together for one purpose, you know, and that's just an interesting concept because mm. I don't think a lot of people see that. Um, they they come together for multiple purposes. <laughs> There's a whole lot of reasons why they, they want to be married. And so um, I love that you guys could come together and the purpose that God has given you. She's like, yes, I want you to fulfill that purpose. And we're joining together to make sure that that happens. And that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's definitely beautiful. So today... We are taking on, I think, uh, a very practical uh, subject matter uh, that touches a lot of people um, in a lot of different ways. Some people, um, this may be a little offensive. It may ruffle their feathers a little bit. Other people, I think they're going to take a a sigh and say, okay, okay. That makes me feel better. <laughs> you know, other people are like I just don't like you talking about it. But we're yes, going I've had to have both responses. Yes. We're going to look at what the Bible says about drinking alcohol. Now, just to give a little backstory, I, I heard a teaching on this and you did an incredible job and you know people will be able to go check that out. But I wanted to have that conversation with you. Um, on this podcast because of the the people that I reach out to, they want to know what the Bible says. They, they don't want to know people's opinion, you know, it's all bad. You know, you have people that just, just don't touch it. Don't look at it. Don't do, you know, don't do anything, you know? And then you have other people like, Oh no, it's it's all right. Let's, you know, we can party and witness and, you know, so getting into this is, uh, I think a a great subject. Um, so I want to start with, um, is there alcohol in the Bible, and what kind of alcohol is in the Bible?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, um, actually, there's. There's. This is going to sound weird. <laughs> there's a lot of alcohol in the Bible. <laughs> right, um, right. Not, not in the sense that that might sound. It just it's just mentioned a no, quite a number of times, like well over a hundred times. We have specifically wine is is mentioned in the Bible many many times. Uh, now, let me just. I'll, I'll throw a disclaimer out there, Anthony, for the, for the audience here. Um, I when I started looking into this stuff, I wanted alcohol to be a sin, <laughs> right. and, and I wanted—I mean, I did—and I don't drink, and I have. There's a history that I've experienced. Not I, I wasn't an alcoholic, but I've lived through other people's alcoholism. And let's just say I wanted to say this was a sin, um, but the Bible changed my mind about this topic. Amen. And so this is this is where I'm like I want to think biblically about things and not try to force my opinion. But I, I felt it. that internal struggle. I, I want to it. let the scripture it. change my mind here. And the it. answer is yes. It just was uncomfortable at first. <laughs> I'm over it now. But um, so some people claim that the kind of alcohol the Bible mentions is is not fermented. Right. I've heard this claim from many people, many teachers. This is definitely not like this is. This cannot be true. Um, it doesn't fit with what Scripture is actually saying. And so it talks about, for instance, it talks about drunkenness. Well. Don't get drunk if it's not fermented. fermented. <laughs> so there's like a tiros, which is one one type of one word that's used in the Hebrew. It, this could talk about alcohol that has recently been fermented or it's not yet fermented. Okay, that's that's a flexible word. It might be al- alcohol that could get you, say, intoxicated or it might not. Uh, a word that's used much more often in the Old Testament is yayin. Hmm. Yayin is wine, just usually translated wine. And it was most definitely a fermented alcohol. It was the most common thing that the Bible talks about. There's a couple other ones, though, in the Old Testament. Um, Sometimes it's called strong wine Mm. or aged wine or well-refined wine. This is like in Isaiah 25, 6, where it says on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine and of rich food, full of marrow of aged wine, well-refined. That would be wine that has a stronger alcohol content than, say, a weaker wine. Okay, so it's not like whiskey or something, but it has a stronger alcohol content. Then also there's Shekhar, which is another word that the Old Testament uses that is sometimes translated strong drink, mm. which would probably be a very generic term that might apply to the more hard liquors and things like that. Just something that has... So they have some kind of loose terms. There's sort of wine in its early stages, wine, generally speaking. Then there's strong wine that's like more al- a little bit more alcohol. Then there's strong drink, Which could be a real big blanket term for all that kind of stuff. Um, In the in the Old Testament, watered down wine, wine that's like actually watered down. And this is what I had been taught that many that that all the drinking that was done in the Bible is super watered down wine, and you'd have to drink like ten gallons to get drunk or some crazy amount. (laughs) I remember hearing this from pastors. Um, But in in uh, Proverbs one, or excuse me, Isaiah one twenty two wine that's watered down is a sign of poverty mm. and he he talks to them about their poverty and he says your wine is what is, is mixed with water and so i'm like wait a minute you mean they didn't just always mix their wine with water and it was not <laughs> alcoholic? um in the new testament we have wine or new wine being mentioned and some i'm, I'm just I'm, I'm not gonna pull punches here right right, gonna, right right to what scripture really says right so um scripture actually shows in uh, acts 2 13 that new wine, even new wine, had alcohol content that could get somebody drunk. Tech I mean, drunkenness is bad. We'll talk about that in a minute. I'm just talking about what kind of alcohol they right, have. Right, right, right. So new wine could actually get somebody drunk. Uh, in Acts 2.13, they speak in tongues. And the crowd who's skeptical, probably because they don't speak these languages, they don't they don't realize these are tongues. You know, foreign languages, when you don't speak them, sound like blah, blah, blah to them. So they say, no, these people are they're filled with new wine. Well. <laughs> You you don't say that unless new <laughs> right. wine can actually get you drunk. So right. That was the kind of wine they had in in the wedding at Cana when Jesus turned water to wine. The the wine master he's he there's a long run on sentence he has where he talks about the quality of the wine Jesus made. Long story short, it was a it was a good wine, which meant that it was a wine that had a, a bit of a stronger alcohol content, not like bourbon or something, right? But it was still <laughs> it was it was like a a, a stronger wine. And so, uh, long story short, humans have been making alcohol for a long time, and they had to basically the same varieties of alcohol that we have here today. Um, you know, there's there's all kinds of different degrees of alcohol going on in the biblical world. And the one thing I, I had to dispel for myself was the idea that, um, which I would have liked, <laughs> but it was the idea that that the wine and the alcohol, the wine and alcohol in the Bible was so watered down that it would be almost impossible to get drunk. Right. Um, I realized really quickly when I read these verses in context, when I looked at the Hebrew words themselves, that this is impossible. This does, the view doesn't work. What, what use is a warning against drunkenness if you can't do it anyway?
0: <laughs> yeah and see i i'm i'm from colorado and so colorado's kind of known known for cores and things like that and so you know we have a brewery and they talk about all the things and the wheat and the barley and the stuff that goes into beer and wine and and so that's a big deal in colorado is you know even the types of wine and ales and 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 drinks that you can have and so uh, i think it's interesting that the wine the 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 alcohol in the bible is literal alcohol it's not Just grape juice. Oh, it's no, it's just grape juice. Don't worry about it. But you know what you're drinking is a sin. (laughs) you know, no, this is the, this is exactly what they were drinking in, um, in the Bible. And so that, that kind of brings me to the next question is, so what was the role of alcohol in the Bible? You kind of touched on some things, but it seems like it, it, it fit into the culture. It was a part of the culture in the Bible.
1: Yeah. And it was not only part of the culture, but it was part of the religious rituals that God yeah, gave them. Yeah. Now, that kind of surprised me, too, as I'm doing <laughs> my study, going through this, trying to learn to think biblically about the topic of alcohol. Wanting to say that it's bad and realizing that it is it is wonderful and terrible. <laughs> it and it's, it depends, it. right? And it's, it's a, it's a, it depends on how you treat it. That's going to be the ultimate answer to the question here. But uh, it was a normal part of life. It was just considered normal. Nobody would have thought it was weird if they found out that you drank alcohol. Back then, nobody's going to bat an eye at it uh, unless you had taken like a Nazarite vow where you 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 had specifically vowed. But it wasn't a cultural thing where everybody's supposed to do that. But it was actually even in the feasts of Israel. uh, There's a couple I'll mention specifically um, in Deuteronomy, it talks about them bringing a tithe once a year of all of their produce and stuff. And they would actually bring the actual not just a cash amount, but they would generally try to bring the produce itself. But then he tells them, if you're, it's really interesting. This is Deuteronomy uh, 24, I think it is. And he tells them, if you're traveling from a far land and you can't like carry all the produce, sell your produce, hmm. bring money, wow. and then you can give the money as your tithe. Then he tells them this he says, but, but he wants them to have a feast. It's like meant to be a big, a big godly party when they gather together for their tithe. All the people of Israel gathered and they're having a great time and they're celebrating the goodness that God has given them in the food and all that. And he tells them, take the money that you're bringing to the feast spend it to buy whatever you want meat food wine and then he specifically says strong drink and he says buy what you want (laughs) and then enjoy it at the feast to celebrate god's blessings on you this year so like god specifically told them (laughs) it was okay if they bought this stuff (laughs) and celebrated they're at a religious feast and he's like yeah you can get get, get strong drink go ahead Now, he didn't say they could get drunk, right. and that's a whole different issue. We're just talking about the kind of alcohol that they were able to partake of. It's also used in offerings. In Numbers 15.7, we find that wine, and this is yayin, this is that word that definitely means fermented wine. It's not the early stuff that may or may not have had alcohol. This is this is fermented wine. And in, uh, Numbers 15.7, they can use this as a drink offering to God. Like, wine is not inherently a sinful substance. You could use it in offerings to God. Melchizedek, when Abraham meets Melchizedek, this amazing Old Testament passage that just it, it has all this stuff about Jesus in it. But uh, Abraham meets Melchizedek and Melchizedek brings brings out bread and wine. And again, that's Yayin, that's that word that definitely means fermented wine. And this is to be a picture of Christ. Of course, Jesus in Passover, they have wine. Right. Right. That's the that's the <laughs> cup that they drink. And he's like, hey, Jesus actually made his disciples drink alcohol in a sense, because he's like, take it and drink. <laughs> right. One of my moments of tra- change on this issue was: oh. what if I stood before the Lord and Jesus says, "Mike, here, this is my this is my blood, poured out for you, drink." And mm. I'd be like, "Oh, that's alcohol. Mm. I don't drink." Wow. And I still don't drink. Okay. So uh, I mean, but if Jesus handed me that, I would drink it. <laughs> I'm not going to do that to the Lord. Um, so, all that being said, it was a normal part of their culture. Nobody batted an eye about it. But it was also a serious problem for people, just like it is today. So the issue was drunkenness, it wasn't alcohol. Alcohol was not the problem, drunkenness was the problem. And it's a very, very serious problem. Scripture never plays games with drunkenness at all. The role that alcohol played in a biblical context um, is one of being accepted as a positive thing that can be abused and is very dangerous if it is. That's the role that it played. Um, It's even seen as being a blessing in the book of Psalms. I I think I have this first, I'll share with you a little bit later in your questions. (laughs) But uh, that we'll talk about, which that I had to wrap my head around <laughs> when I was studying scripture on the topic. Um, so, yeah, some people obviously would drink and think it was a game, but scripture is always condemning of those attitudes. It's a very serious thing. Alcohol, blessing, drunkenness, sin, and that's the that's the strong perspective we've got. We've got there. Now, some. Let me add this, and I don't know how much time you want to spend on it, but yeah, in the Greco-Roman world. Uh, during the days of Jesus, so let's get to the first century eighty. We're not, we're not in Isaiah's time. We're not in Moses's time. We're in Jesus's time. It's true that in the Greco-Roman world, there's some quotes from ancient sources that suggest that alcohol with low content was considered the good alcohol. Hmm. Now, these come from specific people who, like in the in the symposium or something like that, like these specific kind of like smarty pants type individuals you are not sure if they represent normal people or if they (laughs) represent like the sort of stoic mentality where they're trying to abstain from those things. But the reason why I mentioned this is because some say, oh, yeah, uh, they thought good wine had no alcohol content. Uh, But this was not true in the Jewish context. In my research on this, it seemed as though we were, you know, the the Greco-Roman world and the Jewish culture are two very different things. And in the Jewish culture, it was the same as it was in the Old Testament. Um, Good wine is considered... Real wine. <laughs> right, wine. right, right. Yeah, so like with Passover, Jesus is definitely using fermented wine with the disciples. And it even had medicinal uses as well. So we talked about religious uses, cultural acceptance. Uh, in 1 Timothy 5.23, everybody knows this passage. Or yep, a lot of people everybody do, right? Where, knows it. <clears> yeah, Paul tells tells Timothy, hey, you know, don't, don't just drink water because you're many <laughs> stomach issues. Drink some wine too. And this is probably him actually... Mixing wine in as a medicinal thing, not at all for the effects of alcohol, but as a medicinal thing, because I'm, I'm my guess is Timothy's a missionary. Yeah. And as missionaries know, right, when you go places, careful about the water, careful destroyed. about the water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so this is this is Paul's advice to Timothy. Um, so obviously the wine is not um, a, a sin in any in any sense here. But it is interesting to know this, that Timothy wouldn't drink wine before that. Right. For some reason, Timothy's not drinking wine. Paul seems like he does, at least in many contexts. And then he actually tells Timothy to because he's a medicinal reason to do it. So uh, that might give you a general overview. Uh, There is not a stigma that alcohol is bad in the Bible. It's just not there. That, I think, comes from the 1920s United States history. Right,
0: right, right.
1: Right? What do they call them, the teetotalers? Right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The the Prohibition period and... You know, yeah. bootleggers.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and and that, I think, is our tradition that we bring with us that made it into pulpits and made it into churches and pastors who think, I have to, you know, I've seen the destruction that drunkenness and alcoholism brings, so I've got to protect people. And so we, we, we try to, like, give them every reason in the world not to drink. And I, I read the scripture and I go, well, the Bible doesn't do that, actually.
0: Right. You know, and, and I am, um, uh, my first wedding that I did Um, many years ago i was in uh, albuquerque new mexico doing a wedding and a part of this wedding was communion and so in the communion of the lord's supper um they had real wine now when i when when we were doing this i didn't know it was real wine
1: yeah
0: until i drank it and i got like a hot flash I looked at my wife and said this was real wine, <laughs> you know, and this was many years ago. I was, you know, just rededicated my life to the Lord. I was going through ministry training. Um, and I was in a place where like, you know, like you were saying early on, like, oh my God, I just sinned. I I, I, I got to go repent. I got to go do something because I just yeah. drank <laughs> real wine. So, yeah. you know, I, I think the question is, so with communion or the Lord's Supper and is it, is it a sin to drink
1: wine, <laughs> real wine? <laughs> well, if it is, then Jesus <laughs> sinned. The disciples sinned. You know, Anthony, like you, uh, I, I I had a strong feeling. Okay, like I said, alcoholism in, in, my, in my history, I don't want to embarrass anybody by getting the details there, but let's just say it's definitely affected me. And then when I first went to church at like 12 years old, my friend invited me to church. I started going, the first pastor I ever met, is there, he's is the youth leader, youth pastor, and he's boasting to everybody in the youth ministry about how he, his entire life, he's never had a drop of alcohol, mm-hmm. you know. And then, um, and and I think at the time I raised my hand and was like, Well, I, or no, it wasn't me because I had at that point already had alcohol <laughs> and too much of it. And, um, <clears throat> but uh, but I don't drink now, but I did when I was 12, apparently. apparently. So, so uh somebody raised their hand they were like i haven't drunk and the youth pastor got all up and he goes have you had nyquil and the kid goes yeah, yeah. and he goes that has alcohol <laughs> i've never had alcohol and this was like my first leader Christian, right? and i'm like i look back at that and i go what an arrogant like <laughs> thing to do that's not biblical boasting in this thing is yeah. not really very important yeah um And then presenting it to all these kids like it's this super important value. And I think that that we've just got a weird issue here. Now, this doesn't mean... Uh, you know, I, I still am not drinking, right? You don't have to start drinking. Right. That's not the, right. The point is that we would have a right biblical attitude. And there's I'm going to balance all this out. Like, but the first message we get about Scripture is that alcohol is actually initially meant to be a blessing. It's accepted. It's okay in your culture. It's okay for it to be in your culture. It's okay for it to be used even in religious practices that Christians partake of. Jesus did it. The Old Testament saints did it. Abraham did it. Melchizedek did it, right? Aaron did it although they never drink when they're on the job there <laughs> is the high priest that they never buy who whole situation <laughs> that one um so yeah that, that's the lesson yeah is, is communion in wine is wine in communion to think no no it's not now it might be in your culture it might be in your church and there may be a good reason not to have wine for love for your for your people who have a conscience about this issue.
0: Yeah, and and I think not as a rule, right? And and I think you bring that by you bringing that up. It it, it takes me to thinking about you know uh, I believe it's First Corinthians eleven um, where Paul is scolding them, and a lot of people mm-hmm. take that passage right and they say, see. You, you you shouldn't be drinking wine during the Lord's supper. But really, what is he doing there? What is he really doing there in that passage? <laughs>
1: oh, so that's a, I'm glad you brought that up. That's an interesting passage. So yeah, we, so Jesus definitely they had alcohol in there. Now in First Corinthians, were many years later. We now have this thing that Jesus instituted in the yeah. Gospels being done in a Gentile gathering years later in Corinth. And what hear I'll read the verse to you. He's complaining in First Corinthians eleven about these people, he says, for an eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal, one goes hungry, another gets drunk. And that word drunk in the Greek, like I looked it up, like in the Greek, that means like inebriated, right? Drunk in the normal way we would say, oh, he's drunk. Uh, So Paul's clearly rebuking them for one person for uh, basically getting drunk and then not even saving food for the other people Mm -hmm. as they come perhaps later for the meal. Um, so what Paul's actually rebuking is the lack of love and concern for others and then overindulgence, overindulgence. which the Bible's always can, can rebuking those things. But it also reveals something that in their in their their whole communion thing was actually a meal, not just bread and, and wine, but it was a whole meal, but it included bread and wine. And it was alcoholic wine because somebody was able to get drunk.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So again, the drunkenness is condemned, but the wine part is just accepted. His solution in 1 Corinthians 11 is not, you guys can't use alcoholic wine anymore. Um, that's not the solution. Although that, I mean, in my own church, our tradition, we, we use grape juice. I don't have a problem with that. I don't necessarily think that that's wrong. Grape juice can be fine. John the Baptist, for instance, and here's, here's a biblical case for it.
0: Yep. Here it goes. <laughs>
1: John the Baptist, uh, he, he had the Nazarite vow. So he never drank alcohol his entire life. Right. Jesus, he did drink. And then they, they over exaggerate how much he drank when they're trying to, the, uh, the Jews who were trying to come against Christ, the Pharisees, they're like he's a wine bibber, which means he's a drunkard. And he wasn't that, but he did drink. So John, he's a Jew who observes Passover. Every Jew observes Passover every year. Jesus does too. John must have been using some kind of non-alcoholic wine for Passover.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: And it was acceptable. It was just no, oh, he has a Nazarite vow. Give him the, the Martinelli's. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's
0: my son's so favorite. It's,
1: it's a, I mean, it wouldn't be wrong for a church if they if people with different consciences they go, here, the, the table with this tablecloth has has uh, wine, and the moment this tablecloth has grape juice, and that would be appropriate as well. It's totally up to people's consciences on that issue. I think.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a great point, and I'm I'm glad you you kind of handled it that way because you know we can be like uh, uh, Peter was, and uh, what was it? Uh, Acts ten, where he has the, the vision. And he sees all these unclean animals. He's like, Lord, nothing unclean has ever touched my lips. And then God had to tell him, look, what I call clean, don't call unclean. And sometimes we'll just say, you know, I can't touch that because, you know, nothing unclean. And all of a sudden it becomes this, like you said, rule, this strict Mm -hmm. law when that's not really what the Bible is saying. There's a verse um, in Ephesians. uh, I think it's Ephesians 5, 8. 518 where it says that don't be drunk with wine and depending on your translation dissipation debauchery excess there's these words that describe this wastefulness or overindulgence but be filled with the spirit um what do you what is the the what is the apostle trying to get them to understand there is it the same as what we've been talking about or is it something different
1: Um, I I think it's along these same lines, which is, uh, again, a a command, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, is not the same as don't drink wine, but be filled with the Spirit. (laughs) So it does grant that there's like an acceptableness to it, but he tells them, be filled with the Spirit. I I take this contrast as to give me insight into the effects of wine, Yeah, is that being drunk with wine, or or any alcohol for that matter, being drunk, it bars the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. And so I'm not going to be, and these are both. Forgive this for perhaps kind of crude analogy, but sometimes <laughs> when we really simplify things, it just becomes clear. Uh, wine and the Holy Spirit are both well. Let's call them controlling substances. Yeah, yeah. Influencing, influencing. Substances. Yeah. Wine influences me, but it influences my flesh. Wine, when I have too much, when I drink a little too much, uh, Proverbs says you, you will, your mouth will utter perverse things. Mm-hmm. You will think of perverse things. Uh, you you just you you tend to sin. Because it's sort of, re- we, we say it releases your inhibitions. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying inhibitions are wonderful things. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, too much alcohol, it puts me in sin. It puts the flesh in control, so to speak. It lowers my judgment and all that. But the Holy Spirit is like the opposite of this. The Holy Spirit is, is is you know, raising the influence of the Spirit in my life. Yeah. Uh, to me to walk yes. in the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control, yes. kindness, these things. So I think that this means... That when i if i drink too much alcohol i haven't just made a little mistake i'm 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 making a very big spiritual mistake Mm. a very a a very serious sin and the bible's really serious about the sin issues of drink of drinking too much the the difference between drinking and getting drunk getting drunk that is extremely bad whereas just drinking in appropriate ways is considered a blessing in scripture yeah Uh, that's how the bible treats it. it it's which here's let me um, break this down a little bit more detail here, because I think it's this is something that helps me and I think it helps others, too, because as soon as you do say, oh, so definitely alcohol's is acceptable. Mm-hmm. Now you start asking people, when do you think you've had too much? Yeah. And in my yeah. experience, this is where everyone becomes really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll know when you've had too much. You'll know. And they and they never put a limit on what too much is. Right. You know, they just say like, oh, you'll you'll know, you'll know. And, and I'm just saying, I've been around a lot of drunk people. <laughs> I remember at one particular event, two people I know. This was, uh, I, it was a, it was a big family gathering. Okay. <laughs> so and and as as was the habit, there's a lot of people that are intoxicated at this point. And I remember seeing one family member who was laughing and making fun of the other family member for being drunk. And I kid you not the other family member laughing and making fun of them for being, drunk. being drunk. Literally <laughs> neither of them knew they were drunk. They just knew the other one was, was drunk. drunk. Oh, wow. And then I hear people go, oh, you'll know, you'll know when you've had too much. I'm like, no, no. In, in fact, I would say every time you throw back another beer, you're less likely to know how, how, <laughs> <laughs> how intoxicated you are. Uh, the more you have, the less aware you are. So that being said, um, I do think the initial effects of alcohol, which as I, as I just Google this stuff and try to like research, what are the initial effects of alcohol? And it describes it as just being a general, like relaxing and a a light sense of gladness. Um, That that actually is something God does allow and does bless. So Psalm 104 verse 15 is my verse for this. It says that God has given wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine and bread to strengthen man's heart. Hmm. Okay. So oil, you put oil, your face shines. So not only the oil, but the effect uh, bread you eat it and it strengthens your heart like actually physically you do become stronger and then wine to gladden the heart mm. meaning that not only has wine been given by god but the impact of the initial like say one beer or whatever amount that is know everybody's different sizes so one beer might be too much for somebody and, and for somebody else i don't know how much effect that has on them but but the gladdening of the heart that initial stage that I think is something God's cool with. So, so
0: what about the person that 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 struggles with that idea? Because that verse you just quoted is yeah. in the Bible. This is Bible. You're not just like pulling stuff out of the air. But this is what the Word of God says about it. And there may be a person that says, you know, that like you says, well, I don't drink at all. The stuff doesn't touch my lips, and um, it may even be offensive to me to see someone see someone have a drink and. They're saying that the Bible says that's okay. Well, how do you, you know, how do you deal with that?
1: <laughs> um, I, I, I say just <clears throat> recognize that your conviction about drinking here doesn't apply to everyone. It yeah. just applies to you. Yeah. And that to me is the saving moment: is when you go, wait a minute. So if I just say I hate alcohol, I hate the idea of it, I hate the smell of it, I don't want to be around it, I don't want to drink it, I feel like I'm sinning if I do, I can apply that to me only. Yeah. And then just let other people have some liberties here because scripture is giving them those liberties. And I'm just going to say, yes, absolutely. That is the thing. Don't despise them. Don't divide with them. the division that's caused in the church and the body of Christ over topics that are secondary, like drinking, Mm -hmm. that's actually worse than the alcohol issue itself, I think. So when you have like a family group or a Christian gathering and they're thinking, we're all going to go out after church and they want to have a beer when they go out. Yeah. So they yeah. don't invite so-and-so. Yeah. Because so-and-so is not okay with He's that. Not okay with that. <laughs> That's a bad decision. Because guess what's more important than your beer? So-and-so. So and so. I've been
0: and I've been that so-and-so. I've been the person yeah. who's been uninvited because I didn't, you know, I didn't drink. I if I have a drink, it's it's a couple of times a year, anniversaries or something like that. Um, and for a while, I was like i i wanted to say that to people so they can feel better yeah. <laughs> you know
1: like no because well, you just don't want to be separate yeah don't know. you know you, yeah.
0: because you're ostracized if you don't drink and then you can be ostracized if you do yeah you know yeah because
1: uh, maybe maybe they're like oh that guy looks like a gifted teacher but you know what i know that he, he has alcohol in his home i was over there once and, was, I, yeah. and they opened the cupboard and i saw the booze and and so, you know, there's people who are told they can't serve in church leadership or in church ministry because they drink. That's—I don't think that's a biblical mandate. Yeah. Right. Like Scripture says, not to be given over to much wine. Right. Uh, or, I, I, you know, that's for deacons. For elders, it's the phrase "not be given over to, to wine. wine." The the there is a concern that a person is abusing wine and that that does bar them from being a strong leader and example for others, but. Given over to wine is not the same as drinking wine at all or drinking alcohol at all. Right. The question is, are you given over to it? Has this thing got control of your life? Have you been given over? Like I've been del- I'm delivering myself to the control of this thing. That's. Um, maybe, let me uh, let me just read, if I can, yeah. since we're yeah, kind of ahead. on this. This is what Proverbs says. There's a section in Proverbs that I think helps us identify if we have a problem with drinking. And so it it, it analyzes someone who has a problem with drinking. And it says, "Who has this is Proverbs 29, verses 29 through 35. Mm -hmm. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Meaning that they they wake up and they're injured and they don't know where that came from. Uh, Who has redness of eyes? Those who tarry long over wine, those who go to try mixed wine, do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. Now, this is in that culture where Alcoholic self is not wicked, but this is clearly a drunkard or a person who's yielded over. In fact, the first indication, I think, that someone has a problem with alcohol is they tarry long over wine. They look at wine when it's red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly. (laughs) In other words, their enjoyment of wine is like a little scary. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and there's there's this intense desire for wine. It's not like I can take it, I can leave it. It's just like, I really want it. I really want it. So do you have, you know, first question to ask is, do I have a dangerous attraction to alcohol of any kind? I keep saying wine because that was the typical alcohol. But any kind of alcohol, do I have a dangerous attraction to it? Then in verse 33, it says, your eyes will see strange things and Mm. your heart will utter perverse (laughs) things. things, You will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, like one who lies on the top of a mast. You're like, you're stumbling and that kind of thing. (laughs) They struck me, you will say, but i was not hurt they beat me but i did not feel it when shall i awake that i may have another drink or excuse me i must have another drink And the reason why i i um, i'm going to race through this i would like to like 20 minutes on this one passage but <laughs> but the reason i go to this is because it's a poetic passage but it describes what it's like to be someone who's given over to wine and so I've given one thing. You have a dangerous attraction to it. Other things I get from this passage are: um, you don't feel pain after you, you've drunk enough, where you where you are you're, you're stopping. You don't notice you, but you're hurting yourself or you know wow. you're being injured. Okay, wow. that's a sign of drunkenness. Yeah, that's a problem. Um, you say <laughs> sinful things, but your eyes see strange things. Your heart utters perverse things. If your mouth has lost the the, the yielding to the Holy Spirit, the filter of God, mm. then you're probably you've drunk too much. You know you're drunk. If there's a lack of balance. You're swaying. You know, you can't pass the sobriety test the cop gives you. Yeah, that's a problem. All right, that that's the guy in the mast, right? You're, you're like one on the mast. Um, and then the last one, five, you're craving alcohol in the morning. Wow. Right? At the end of the, song, he says, the proverb, he says, when shall I awake? I must have another drink. First thing on my mind when I get up, alcohol. That is definitely a sign of someone who's got a major sin problem going on at the issue of alcohol. My counsel, if this is you, if anybody's watching or listening to this, you're not the exception of the rule. Stop making excuses. Don't be like, but I'm a good drunk, but it's okay for me. <laughs> right. I'm better than that. I can handle I only it. I have some of those <laughs> symptoms, not all of them. I think um, I think you just got to stop and take it very seriously. Um, this, The scripture is, as much as it says alcohol is a blessing, you know, for every one time it says that, there's ten times <laughs> where it warns us. And it says things like, drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God. Right. And Paul says to the, the church in Corinth that if there's people who are practicing—not like they've ever been drunk, but they're practicing drunkenness—this is like a habit in their life—to kick them out of the church. Wow.
0: Yeah, he does like, say it
1: for their restoration that they might be brought back. But it's in, we will not tolerate it. Is the idea? Yeah.
0: And then he's constantly referring to be sober, be sober, be sober. You know, you hear that a lot. You know, in a over spiritual sense, but over and over, be sober, be sober. Um, so a couple of things <laughs> before we try to wrap this up. Um, social drinking. Is it bad? Is it good? What What are we, how do we address that?
1: <laughs> All right. So um, I'm going to say there's layers to this issue. Okay. okay. Let's talk about just the idea of social drinking in general. Well, alcohol is meant as a blessing. Social drinking is something that happened in scripture that Jesus himself was probably doing and the disciples were and nobody even thought about it. As long as it wasn't drunkenness. That was a major issue. Social drinking was considered a blessing. Social drinking is in the blessing category, I think. Because alcohol is not the issue. Sobriety is, the, is issue. the issue. Mm. So as long as you're still sober, that's fine. I want to be as accepting of alcohol as scripture is. But I want to be as serious about drunkenness as scripture is as well. Um, there are limits. So even in scripture... The priests, when they're operating in the temple, they're not allowed to drink because it might mess up their judgment or they, you know, they, they you have important duties to take to be doing whatever. Yeah, don't be drinking at that time, even casually. Um, kings sitting in judgment. Like, I don't want the person who's deciding my fate <laughs> to, who just had a beer, you know. Um, but there's also some other issues that we need to look at. And these are the issues of conscience, which is just because social drinking is okay as a blanket statement. Is it okay for me personally? Personally, yeah, that's good. Right? Then there's the the concern of love. So conscience is about me. Is it okay for me, not just them? Then there's love, which is, is it okay for others around me? Is my drinking or my not drinking having a harmful effect on them that I should be aware of? So let me, if I can, can I read just a big chunk of Romans chapter 14? Yeah. (laughs) This is Romans 14. I read the whole chapter, but this I think gets it across. Romans 14, 10 through 23. It's going to talk about food, wine, and then, like, feast days. Um, these are things that people were disagreeing about in the church. Some people would eat certain foods, not other foods. Some people would drink wine, not, not drink wine. Some people would celebrate, say, the Sabbath or a feast day, and others would not. And Paul's giving them counsel, and he's letting them know, you could you could take your pick on how you want to treat these issues, but here's how you should treat each other on these issues. Right. And this is his counsel. Romans 14.10, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or... you? Or you why do you despise your brother for we will all stand before the judgment seat of god for it is written as i live says the lord every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to god so then each of us will give an account of himself to god the first lesson is um and, and if you read the whole thing in context you get the idea the there's those who pass judgment on their brother that's the person who won't drink like perhaps me okay i, I still don't really drink my danger is that i'll be judging all the drinkers yeah, yeah. don't do that you you can not drink all day long don't worry about them you're just worried about you and then those who do drink the idea is that they despise their brother that's the word that's used the ones that do drink they look at those who don't drink and they look down on them wow right oh you're just a pharisee and it's all these things and you're like no they just don't drink come on chill out you know (laughs) let's not divide on these issues and then verse 13 as i read on therefore let us not pass judgment on one another any longer here's an issue where you just let people do what they're going to do And don't judge him for it, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. That includes wine. Mm -hmm. But it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. For if your brother's grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. 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 For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it's wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine, or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, that, that would be the ability to drink because you know it's not it's not unclean. The faith that you have, keep it between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So let me, there's so much there, but I'll just summarize, <laughs> right? Bottom line, um, if you're not a drinker, don't judge the drinkers. If you're a drinker, don't despise the non drinkers. Mm. Assuming that there's no uh, drunkenness happening, that that's off the table here, then this is our rule and there should be no division. Give space. God will deal with them. The drinkers have one extra burden, though, that Romans 14 gives them, which is, hey, you have a liberty with drinking, but when you're in the presence of others who it's going to stumble, just hold off on that liberty for the sake of your brother. Yes. And that to me means the fellowship's more important than the alcohol. Now, personally, and, and you're, you're this way too, I think, Anthony. Yes. I don't care if people drink around me, okay? <laughs> Ten years ago, I would have given, I would have been just judging them. Me too. I me too. <laughs> wasn't biblical. Me too. To be honest. I would have been violating exactly what Romans 14 says. But now I don't care. If, if I sit down and someone right next to me is drinking alcohol, I, I could not care less. Because I finally kind of come full circle on the issue. But if I was still that guy... Then the drinkers around me, it would be a loving thing for them to say, you know what, Mike's kind of weird on this thing. Let's just set this aside so we right, can still pay. right,
0: right, 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 yeah. right. And I, and and like you said, I am exactly like that. Probably ten years ago, fifteen years ago, I'm looking at, oh my goodness, that person has a beer in their hand. They have this, and it's like yeah. it was really weird. And now when I think about it, I get really uncomfortable with thinking that man, I was just so judgmental towards people, not in a you know, uh, a rightful way, but in a condemning and almost prideful way yeah. that I'm looking down on them as if they're a lesser Christian because they do this. And 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 Romans 14, believe it or not, was the chapter that like opened my mind and like, wow, you know, and I begin to study alcohol. And that's why when I heard you teach on, I was like, wow, this guy has really, really got this balance because uh, it made it seem like we were just, You're forbidden to do anything, and you better not do this or better not do that. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, um, there is freedom in Christ, but you have to be careful with your freedom in using those guidelines. And so some final thoughts about this subject, um, and then I'm going to ask you, could you pray for our listeners um, that they would just get this revelation?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. I know know I'm ruffling feathers, but you know what else? I trust that your listeners, they're like you and they're like me, where they go, all right, Lord, if your word changes my mind, your I want to let that happen. Yes, I yes. really want to let it happen. It's a little weird. It's a little uncomfortable. But I feel like I'm loving you by yielding on this issue. So here's my my counsel to you guys is everybody listening. Look, there's three questions you should ask about this topic. One, is alcohol okay for, for people in general? right? Is alcohol okay for people in general? And the answer is clearly a yes. In fact, it's meant to be a blessing. Right. The next question is is it okay for me? Now that I'm not I'm not judging anybody else, I'm not dealing with anybody else, is it okay for me? Just be very honest. Right. For John the Baptist, it was not okay. And perhaps for some of you, you're like, no, I'm gonna have problems with that. So I'm gonna stay away from it. Um, generally speaking, most former alcoholics should just stay away from alcohol, right? This is just generally good advice. Yeah. So just be very honest. Is it okay for you personally? And then finally, and this is the question everybody forgets to ask. Is it okay for my brother or sister yep, right here? those around, yeah. Yeah, is it okay for the people around me? Maybe maybe it is okay for you. Maybe you got, you got wine in the cupboard. But it doesn't mean that it's necessarily something you want to put on display in front of everybody. Not because you're embarrassed. There's nothing shameful about what you're doing. You just love them and don't want to cause them to stumble. Yes. Because they don't have the freedom you have. So my counsel is, yeah, is it okay? Yes. Is it okay for me? You ask that question. Is it okay for the people around me? Well, if the answer is yes, then go forward. And if not, then default to being um, to holding off on it in that environment, right? Because you just don't want to cause them to stumble and cause them problems on these issues.
0: Yeah. You know? Awesome. Awesome. Well, if you would pray for our li- listeners, yeah. I think we can wrap this thing up. And this was really, really amazing. Again, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. <laughs> yeah, it it's been great
1: to be with you. Let's, let's pray. Lord, we want to think like you do on this stuff. Thank you. Which means that we want to have the right mentality about alcohol, um, but also the right mentality about love and fellowship and ministry. We want to understand the the blessing that alcohol is actually for us. We also want to understand how extreme the issue of drunkenness is, how destructive it is, and how dangerous it is. We just pray you'd help us to keep those as separate issues in our hearts and minds, and we pray this. Um, that as we encounter drinkers, non-drinkers around us in, in our ministries, in our fellowships, in our families, that we would we would have the attitude that Christ would us would have us have on these topics. Not be divisive, to not judge, to not despise, but to exhibit the love of Christ because the unity of the believers is so important to you, Lord. We want that to be important to us as well. In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen and amen. Thank you again, Mike Winger. The Bible Thinker, uh, you guys got to check out his YouTube channel. If you have not, um, he's on Facebook. We're friends on Facebook. Um, humble, but you can tell this man loves the word of God, and that is uh, to be Um, celebrated. And so, again, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, This was amazing.
1: Anthony, thanks for having me, man. Thanks for having me. (laughs) I appreciate it. uh, You probably speak too highly of me, so I want to (laughs) acknowledge
0: (laughs) that. No, 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 no. I mean, yeah. Um, you, You have impacted my life uh, on a couple of different things. And so uh, I was glad to be able to finally interact with you uh, kind of in person. You know, I mean, it's Zoom, but, you know, it, it's 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 in person, you know, through the, the podcasting. Um, this podcast has allowed me to meet a lot of great people. And you're just another one of those great people I've been able to meet. So. Uh, Thank you so much. And so to those listening, remember, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. God bless you until uh, we talk again.